All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to the first live show on the Fiddle Picks YouTube channel. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Tuesday, September 19th. And on today's show, we are breaking down every gambling angle for every week three NFL game. Before we get started on the football stuff, I would like to quickly introduce myself to any new listeners who might be tuning in. Now, I would imagine most people tuning into this are returning listeners from my old show. And while I say this is the first live show on the Fiddle Picks YouTube channel, I've actually done hundreds of podcasts and hosted a bunch of live streams before. So this isn't truly my first rodeo. I was just previously partnered with a sports website and I've taken like a new autonomous start to this gambling content world. So if you are a returning listener and coming with me over from the first feed, thank you. That truly means the world to me. But I'm sure there are also going to be some new people here today. So let me quickly introduce myself. Like I said, my name is Michael Fiddle. I am a high-level NFL and NBA handicapper. I've been betting and playing DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports, for now 12 seasons. And I have never had a losing season. And I have no plans on starting that nonsense anytime soon. My basic approach to gambling is that I succumb to the idea that the sports books know way more than me and know may, way more than I ever will about predicting outcomes and pricing lines. So instead of trying to master football or master basketball for the NBA, I have mastered studying the gambling market. I track key indicators to understand where these lines are going to move. I know the most important and relevant key numbers. I'm constantly looking at betting splits, and we are going to review all of those things with one goal of every single bet that we place. Here's the goal. I want to obtain CLV, closing line value on my bet ticket. And by the time the game kicks off, I want my bet to have an expected value, EV, hottest two letters in gambling. I want that expected value to exceed the implied probability that I paid for the odds. Now, that might sound a bit confusing, but I promise as we go and get through this stuff, it will become simplified and I will make it for easy for you guys to understand. The people who are returning listeners know that we are going to simplify this down and break it down to how do we obtain CLV, get a line before it moves, obtain more winning numbers on our side. And by the time that game kicks off, we have a bet ticket that has positive expected value exceeding the implied probability that we paid for the odds. So welcome to my new show. I promise you are in great hands if you are trying to learn how to become a consistently winning sports better, and that starts today. So before we get into this week's lines, let me do my typical housekeeping and remind you guys to please like this video. I don't know if it's, I think it's on this side. Please like this video, hit the subscribe button. I think it's up here. I'm going to have to watch this back and learn for myself where these buttons are. So please like this video, subscribe to my YouTube channel to get access to all my future live shows. Follow me on x.com, formerly known as Twitter, at FiddlesPicks. Sign up for my free gambling newsletter, the FiddlesPicks Substack, where I send out picks, market summaries, have a free weekly giveaway every single week, which right now is a free Desmond Ritter rookie card after that nice 13-point fourth quarter comeback. So that's where you can find me. You'll find me three times a week coming on YouTube Live. And I think it's about time that we jump straight into the slate breakdown. Like I've said, I've hosted live shows, but I've actually never done a slate breakdown live. And I often talk about how these are like some of my favorite podcasts to record. So I think it's going to be very insightful to help bring you guys onto the like into the back end of how I prepare for these games. Um, and the other thing that I've so often said is that some of these things need to become innate. Some of these things need to become boom, 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 automatic. You recognize it the same way if you were at a blackjack table and you get two eights, you just know I'm splitting those bad boys. You get two queens and you know I'm staying. You get an 11 and you got to dealer showing a six up, you're doubling down. So these things that we would talk about for the sports market has to become innate. I took some notes. I have a few screens up here. So if my eyes aren't like looking at the camera, it's because I'm looking at the other screens. Uh, I'm going to eventually get a new camera to go up on my big screen. So it's easier for me to look at. Um, but like I said, this stuff needs to just become boom, boom, boom routine. 
So it will help you guys to sit through this, be brought behind the curtain and understand how all these lines work and how my brain works as soon as I start seeing these numbers. So let's start with um, this Giants at San Francisco 49ers Thursday night game. And of course, if you have any questions through this, just throw it in the chat. Uh, I'll Hopefully I'll see it live. If not, we'll get back to it at the end. But we're starting with this Thursday night football, the New York football Giants visiting the San Francisco 49ers. This line opens at 10. It's pretty much stayed at 10 the whole time. It's 10 at DraftKings right now. It is 10 at FanDuel right now. A little bit juiced to the 49ers. We've seen flashes of 10.5, but it's really staying on this 49ers minus 10. When we talk about betting splits, we are seeing 74% of the bets, but 82% of the money on that side. So that's going to show you, if you have that kind of handle, on the 49er side, this line's not flashing down to that 9.5. So you either want to grab that plus 10 or plus 10 and a half or grab a minus 10 before it gets there. I have no bets on this game. The real place to look at is the totals for this one. So we often have this thing called a week ahead, like week look ahead line movement where we already have lines for weeks four, five, six posted. So I was actually looking at this very game and playing the under even before any week two games kicked off. So I was looking at playing an under 43 and a half. I checked the handles. I checked the splits. There was like, I think, 52% of the bets, but 78% of the money at that time towards the under. I thought an under spot was brewing for a Thursday night in San Francisco. I knew that weeks one and week two, I tracked these lines and I have a freaking crazy memory. So I knew Week one, Chiefs-Lions trended towards the under. I knew Eagles-Vikings trended towards the under. So I thought we were getting a little bit routine here. I thought we were seeing handle towards the under, movement in these previous spots towards the under on these short weeks. And then I watched the games. And halftime of that Giants game, they're down what? Like 28-0, 28-0, whatever it was. Um they had a roaring second half comeback against the Arizona Cardinals, also known as the Chattanooga Community College because they suck that much. But uh, the Giants didn't overly impress me. I mean, the comeback was amazing and I had them in a survivor pool. So I was really happy they won. And I'm originally from New York with some big Giants family, uh, big Giants fans in my family. I'm loyal to my bankroll. So I'll, I'll root for Big Blue, but I'm rooting for the dub in my bets. Uh, I thought this was brewing for an under 43 and a half spot. I saw the handles. I knew what was happening in the market the last two weeks. I knew the spot this was going to be. And then I watched the games and I thought, okay, we have an under coming. And then the lines were posted. And DraftKings puts it at 45. FanDuel, 42 and a half. So we had the early week line of 43 and a half. We have all this money on the under. We have these short week spots trending towards the under. And we have two teams that don't really scare me in terms of an over. So I thought, let me go grab that under 45 at DraftKings right now. Well, little did I know I was wrong. For, uh, FanDuel, 43 and a half, 44 and a half. And now the market, I mean, we have seen the DraftKings line come down to 44 and a half. So I do hold a plus closing line value ticket. So I did accomplish my goal. However, I can tell I'm probably like in a settled market and I could have gotten a way better bet had I played that original over 42 and a half instead of the under 45. Now the market is settled at 44 and a half. So if you're seeing this now with no bets, this is a game that you don't want to touch. Um, what I really should have done, the right thing to have done for this game was when I saw FanDuel post 42 and a half, and when I saw DraftKings post 45, I should have taken them both. Why? Why would I play an over 42 and a half and an under 45? Well, when you open up a middle like that, of course, 43 would win, 44 would win, 45 would result in a push on one side and a win on the other. And then either direction, you're win one, lose one, because you have that positive middle. So what I should have done is realize that when you open a positive middle on minus 110 lines on each side, what you've created is a 5% implied probability, meaning you have a potential, if you're betting 1.1 unit to win one on a minus 110, 
You have a potential max loss in this game of one-tenth of a unit, and you have a potential wins of two units. So you have a 20x payout on your original bet ticket if you hit that middle, which correlates to a 5% implied probability. Now, I know my key numbers. I know 43, kind of important. I know 44, kind of important. I know 45, kind of important. So if you had added up how often 43 lands, it's about 3.5%. If you add in how often 44 lands, about 3.7%. And then if you add in how often 45 lands, also around that number, you combine those numbers and you would realize you are clearly above that 5% implied probability. And then you add in the caveat when I say 3.7% for 44s, that's for any game that's priced at 52 or 38 or whatever. There's an additional bonus when the game is priced at that number that it's more likely to land there. A game that's priced at 44 is more likely to land on 44 than a game priced at 54. I mean, that should be just be common sense. So there's even a little bit more of a boost in that 3.7 and stuff of percent. Um, we have Stony King asking, is there a list of key number statistics that games commonly land on? Of course there is. Of course. Hell yeah. Um, go look it up. Put that into Google. You'll get answers right away. And you should know these things. That should be innate blackjack information. You should know 41 is the most important key number. 42 is the second most important key. I mean, 40 and 41 are the two most. Sorry. 41 most important. 40 second most important. So when you're working off that and you have a 43 and a 44, you just have an extra field goal from the two most important numbers, which means those are also going to be pretty important. So what I should have done is grab both of them. I ended up grabbing the wrong side. I could have had two points of CLV. Instead, I only have half a point of CLV. I ended up working off this ticket by grabbing. I, I put in one unit on the under 45. I noticed I was on the wrong side of the market. So I added in a half unit on the over 44 and a half. What I did there was I just ate some what we call a big loss. I accepted the juice. You pay a little bit more than the odds and you're going to return. So by working off this by for half a unit, I ate half of one-tenth of a unit as big loss. And for me, totally fine. If you want to lose 0.05 units, do it. Do it to get off a bad line. That's totally fine. I still have half a point of closing line value. It's not the most uh, positive expected value I could obtain. I'm not obtaining a winning number. I'm obtaining a push number on the 45. So uh, if you had no bets on this game right now, don't even don't even bother. Look to play a player prop or play a DFS. I'll put out some DFS plays for this Thursday night Giants game. Let's go to the Sunday games where we have the first one on the slate is I'm going to go through all the one o'clocks first, and then we'll work our way uh, through the four o'clock slate through Sunday night through Monday night. One o'clock start, Miami Dolphins, probably the hottest team in the NFL right now, taking on the Denver Broncos, one of the coldest teams in the NFL right now. Funny that one's in Miami and one's in Denver. Uh, Miami, two road wins. They went to LA to play the Chargers, traveled back to Miami, then went up north to play the Patriots, now come back to Miami for their first home opener. They're 2-0 and looking fantastic. And the public is going to be on them in a big way. This is what concerns me. I find the Dolphins a little bit fishy this week. Pun intended. Um, the Broncos, on the other hand, 0-2 after two home losses. So now they go on the road. So they might be really hungry. This line, 84% of the bets, 84% of the handle are both on that Miami Dolphins minus 6.5. So it shows that it's there is no really sharp side here. There's no one side that's getting significant more money bet than the than the amount of bets you want to follow is the is the volume there or is the money there and you want to find low volume high money this is high volume high money so for me it's a stay away uh you could potentially tease the dolphins down to a 0.5 but again i find this spot a little fishy i think the broncos might just come out really hungry and then i have to just add in that one little caveat of the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins was the head coach of the Broncos two years ago. So I often talk about familiarity between teams, especially divisional teams. We're going to talk Jets Patriots in a second. We'll mention familiarity. Um, familiarity tends to lead in less scoring 
of course, Russ wasn't there, Hackett, Sean Payton. There's been a lot of changes to the Broncos offense, but on the Broncos defense, you have a lot of the main core pieces. Um, so for that reason, I think there's going to be some familiarity in the systems. I think it's going to lead to a little less scoring. Maybe you could say Miami offense is a little more prepared. I don't know. I think there's going to be some intricacies that we could pick up on here from a game script perspective that says this might be one where there's less scoring. And when there's less scoring, you don't want to back a favorite to cover the spread. If this is going to be a lower scoring game than we expect, then you don't want to bet the Dolphins to win by seven. Instead, for me, just a stay away game here. Uh, Stoney's asking, can you comment on the lines that are minus 4.5 to minus 6.5? Sometimes if it is over the four key numbers, will it? I will just tease it to minus seven. I'm a little confused on that. I'm just going to keep going. I'm not exactly sure what you're asking, so throw it in, in in a few different words. Let's go over to New York. We talked about the Giants, but they're in San Francisco. Let's talk about them New York Jets playing a divisional dog home game against the New England Patriots. Jets 1-1, one one, obviously without Aaron Rodgers. Patriots 0-2, oh but probably the best-looking 0-2 oh team you could find in the league. I don't really know if a good-looking 0-2 oh team is a thing, or I just came up with that, but Patriots look kind of good. Uh, line opened at Patriots minus two. That's why I said Jets has a home divisional dog. Uh, it's gone out to two and a half, so we are seeing... 66% of bets, 63% money. This is a handle thing. This is a public thing. I would not touch this game uh, unless you had gotten in on the under when it opened at 38 and a half. It has moved down to 36 and a half. For now, gone. 38 is one of the key numbers that we discuss in the, in the 30s range. 33 and 38 are the two most important numbers in the 30s. So when you see something move from 38.5 down to 36.5, you know you lost it. You know the under is the smart side, but it's no longer playable for you. So I would lean Patriots. I would lean under. But however, the, the way these numbers have moved, and because New England is a road favorite in a game where there's going to be a lot low scoring because these teams know each other, these coaching staffs know each other, these players know each other, they know each other's tendencies, what they like to get to, which spots they like to operate in. It creates less scoring. So that's why it's tending under. That's why I'm not going to back a favorite. But I'm not also going to back Zach Wilson or an over in this spot. Let's go to Baltimore, where we have the Indianapolis Colts, formerly known as, anyone know? The Baltimore Colts. Going against the Baltimore Ravens. That's the new team there. Uh, The Ravens opened as a a 7.5-point favorite. They're a real public team, so buyer beware. I would not play the seven and a half. It has moved to eight or eight and a half at some spots. I think it's going to stay there. It's not getting up to nine. It might come back down to eight or seven and a half. It's going to float in these ranges as these books compete to even out their handles with each other. If one book has too much money on the Colts side because they took in a real sharp Colts bet, then they're going to bring that line down to seven, seven and a half. So they get some Ravens money. If they get too much Ravens money coming in, they're going to put it at plus eight to get some Colts money coming in. So I'm not too concerned with the way this line is moving. It does present for a fantastic teaser leg in what's known as a Wong teaser leg. There's these things called teaser rules. So Stoney, you asked about a key number. Yes, I talk about key numbers all the time. In the key numbers podcast that I did, I even discussed teaser rules. And the rules for that is you stay within the Stanford Wong teaser legs. And that means bringing a number from seven and a half down to one and a half or eight and a half down to two and a half, or simply the opposite where you're taking a number from one and a half up to seven and a half or two and a half up to eight and a half. And you are teasing through the key numbers, three, four, six, seven. Those are all relatively common outcomes. Three, very common, six and seven, very common. Those are the three most common outcomes in the NFL, which is why teasing through that inherently holds some value. Regardless of the lines, the math shows that if you place a teaser leg on two teasers that have Wong teaser criteria met at minus 120 odds with a standard six-point teaser, then you have gained positive expected value. That's why the really only place you could still do this is DraftKings. FanDuel, Caesars, other books are making these two-leg teasers a minus 134 in the odds. 
that's when we talk about implied probability. You're now paying for a higher win rate than you're actually going to receive. If you're only paying minus 120, it's worth it. So uh, Ravens, perfect Wong teaser to bring them down to one and a half. I think that's a great idea. We're also seeing this total move up. It's going towards the over. It opened at 43 and now it's at 44 and a half. So when I see a total moving towards the over, it makes me more confident to back a favorite especially if I'm bringing that number down because 44 and a half, not a huge total number. It's not like we're going to see when we talk about the Vikings chargers coming up in a bit, but we're going to realize that high scoring games correlated with favorites, low scoring games correlated with underdogs. If I'm taking a favorite, I also like to see regardless of me actually betting into that market, I'm not betting into the totals market, but it is an indicator to know that my spread bet is in a better position. So love using the Ravens as a Wong teaser leg. The Baltimore Colts versus the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sure we'll get that on ESPN this week, uh, talking about the history of those situations. My favorite bet of the week. We go to Cleveland. Do we have a 10-second moment of silence for Nick Chubb? Yeah, we do. I feel so bad for Nick Chubb. That was gruesome. Oh. Anyways. Titans at Browns. Opened as a four and a half point dog. I jumped in on the Titans right away. Titans coming off a nice win against the Chargers. That was the clearest, sharpest side ever. Ever. If you looked at splits, indicators, and play into the things we talked about, the Titans beating the Chargers last week was the most typical. The gambling market knows more than we do. So take these indicators and know because you would have been all over the Chargers plus 3.5. I mean, Titans plus 3.5 last week, and you would have brought home a nice win. Uh, this week, Titans open as a four and a half point dog. I grabbed it right away because again, I noticed the splits. I tweeted this out. It's my biggest bet of the week. I have over a unit on it. I noticed the betting splits showed this to be a really sharp side. I knew the last few weeks, week one against the Saints, week two against the tar Chargers, I'm remembering how these teams are floating in the market. We have back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back weeks of the Titans being the sharp side. So when I, when week four lines eventually come out, I'm knowing sharps are backing this team. They think they're undervalued in the market. We're waiting for the market to catch up and find a game where the, are the Titans actually the sharp side. In this week, they are again. So the line opens at four and a half. Splits are showing that it's there. We also, at that time, had the Browns playing on Monday night football. So sometimes you could kind of view this as like a half week ahead because one team's already played and the other team is yet to play. This is a really advantageous spot for the gambler to take the team that's already played. Because, and I'm, it sounds like I'm using this example to prove my point but I'm using the fact that I bet this line before the game happened to prove my point. Because things like Nick Chubb getting hurt happen in that game. Because this team we know is going to be coming into the next game with a rest and prep disadvantage. They played on Monday night, so they're playing the next Sunday. That's six days rest. Where the Titans played on Sunday, that's seven days rest. So they get an extra day of rest and preparation and rehab and, and all those things that you need to take on the Chargers, I mean, the, the the Browns. So the Titans were in an advantageous spot. They were also getting a strong percent of the bet handle already. So I knew that even if the Browns came out looking amazing, the line wasn't going to go the other way. It wasn't going to go to five and a half or six. It would have stayed at that four and a half because there's already enough Titans money there that no one's going to want to come in if you move the line to five and a half, you're just inviting more Titans money. So maybe you would keep it at four and a half and see if Brown's money started to come in. But you would know you're in an advantageous spot holding a Titans plus 4.5 ticket. So then we see Nick Chubb get hurt, right? Brutal. Don't wish it on anyone. We see this line now come to three and we call this sad, sad CLV. Sad CLV because I would give it up, put this line back at four and a half and still be reevaluating this market if I could get Nick Chubb's knee to be correctly intact. So um, it is my best bet of the week. It was my best bet of the week before the game even happened. I sent it out in 
my gambling Substack as the best bet of the week. I have a high exposure there, higher than any other spot. And now we find it does it is a really good bet, but it has sad CLV because no one wants Nick Chubb to be injured to win this bet. Uh, the total in this game, 41 and a half, really sharply down, now down to 39 and a half, 49% of the bets, 89% of the money on the under. Major sharp under spot. If you've seen it move through the 41 and the 40, we said those are the most important two numbers. So now at 39 and a half, you simply cannot play it. If you were smart enough to grab the under 41 and a half when it was there, now you want to entertain potentially buying back the other side because, like I said, that middling, you have these implied probabilities that correlate with higher than what a middle would actually cost you. So it might be advantageous to even open that up and now take the over 39 and a half. Let's go to another divisional game. Houston is going to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. We have some mixed, mixed signals in the spread market here. It is plus 9.5, but it is bouncing all over these books. So I, I kind of think it's similar to uh, the Colts Ravens where I talked about it just going based on handle. I think the market has settled pretty well at this 9.5 number. I think you're going to see it moments of flashing to nine, maybe eight and a half, maybe 10, like whatever. I wouldn't get too wrapped up over it, especially with this spread, because we know nine is one of the least important numbers for betting the NFL. So if you're playing around a nine spread and you're obtaining CLV, it's not really like, you know, if you're, if you get a two and a half and this line moves to three and a half, like you're golden. If you get a, Nine and this line moves to nine and a half. It, meh, skip, miss me with that. It's not too important. The under here presents a fantastic, fantastic spot. Line opens at 46. We have some 44 and a half still on the market. We have some 43 and a halfs on the market, and we have a bunch of 44s on the market. So opened 46, highest number left 44 and a half, plenty of 44s and 43s and a half. This is going south. This is going to move past the 44 and a half, 44 being a key number. So if you can still grab that 44 and a half under, love it for a full unit. Best bet. I'm going to give it, I already tweeted out. I'm going to send it out as an email tonight. If you see the 44, then I would half unit it. And if you see the 43 and a half, just skip it all together. So pizza bet on the 44, no bet on the 43 and a half, full dinner bet, steak dinner on that 44 and a half, just so you know, the book set it's at 44 and a half right now is at WinBet. Uh, 44 is at bet MGM, bet rivers and Caesar Sportsbook. FanDuel DraftKings and points bet have the 43.5 on the market. You guys can see what I have written down. Just the numbers, just the opening lines and little arrows to know which way is this going. That's why I say this, this stuff has got to become innate. You got to know right away. 40-41, spread moving this way, money here. Like this stuff has to become automatic so you can just see the numbers and know what to do with it. The Bills are visiting the left hand up. Who are we? The Commanders. Uh, going to the nation's capital to take on the Washington Commanders. The Buffalo Bills open as a 6.5 favorite. It has pretty much settled there. There's a few sixes. You can maybe say there's some home movement towards the Commanders. The money shows it to be a pretty even spot. I, I wouldn't get too wrapped up on it. I do think it's going to land and close at six and a half. It's back at six and a half at DraftKings right now. 76% bets, 83% money. So still more money than bet average on this side. So I do think it is the sharper side to be on the bills. Uh, if this line eventually moves to seven or seven and a half, it does fit Stanford Wong criteria. So I'm not even opposed to grabbing the bills now and putting them in a teaser because if they have, 83% of the money on their side, then I do think it's going to likely start to tick north and you'd be at a uh, uh, good time. Uh, Stoney asks, I see lines are posted way ahead. When do you know the correct time to jump in? What handle do you like to see? You're always evaluating in real time. Always. It, when do I like to get in? As soon as I know it's a good bet. When's, when do you not get in? I don't know. Uh, if you see this line obtaining closing line value before the game kicks off, you get in the market. Plain and simple. Uh, what handle do you like to see? 
No, it's not an 80%. Like last week I talked about, I just talked about the Titans being the clearest sharp spot last week against the Chargers. The splits behind that were 23% bets, 33% of the money. And the line moved from three to two and a half. Now, why the fuck would that happen? Because they knew that 33% bets on that side were the good were the good betters coming in with heavy money and the line reacted to that. So we call that reverse line movement where the line is moving against the money. It's one of my favorite things to point out. There might be a few spots where we get into that. I haven't seen too much reverse line movement uh, in this week's market, but that was clear as day last week. So no specific time or numbers. You just start to pick up on these things and you get in at the right time. So stick around and you will pick up on those tricks. Um, let's see, where else? Where were we at? We were... Bills, Commanders, no movement in the total. You could tease it down. 44 and a half on the totals, also having some mixed signals. Went up to 45, came back to 44, went back to 44 and a half. You don't touch a bouncing market like that. That shows you the number has settled. The line is priced correctly. So you don't need to get into a market where the line is priced correctly. I often talk about one of the powers that we have as a sports better is understanding that the book has to price every line but we don't have to bet every line. So if a line doesn't hold value, you don't bet it. Easy as that. Uh, Falcons are visiting the Lions. The line opened. This one's a tricky one. This one's a fun one to talk about. Line opens and the week ahead numbers at four and a half. Then it closes on the books. Then when it comes back and reopens, DraftKings puts it at five and a half. FanDuel puts it at four. So knowing that this was, oh, actually, no, FanDuel put it at four and a half. Sorry. So locks at four and a half. Week ahead market is four and a half. Opens at one spot at five and a half and the other spot reopens at four and a half. So that should tell you, go grab the Lions, right? This line's probably going to move that way. One book is already going. Let's catch up to it. Uh, wrong. Again. It was very rare to be wrong in a few of these spots with the the number moving end up coming back the other direction. Uh, DraftKings now has come back. Atlanta Falcons have been the clear sharp side of this. They're getting 66% of the money, 36% of the bets. And now the line is now at plus minus three. Damn. So you guys know if you've checked out my futures portfolio, I am all over the Atlanta Falcons this season. So I actually bet the... Lions minus 4.5 when I saw the other book open at 5.5. But then once I saw the mixed signals in the market, I just cashed out of that FanDuel ticket, which shows the one time you should ever use a cash out. The only reason to ever use the cash out feature is if you are cashing out for absolutely no loss, no win. There's just nothing that's happened and the line hasn't moved, but you're starting to get indicators from the rest of the market that that's not the right ticket to be on. So if you could still cash out of the wrong ticket to be on at zero loss and get ahead of it, then you do it. If I was going to have to accept loss to cash out, no, definitely wouldn't do that. That's when I would then just rebet the other side because hedging it, which is the same thing, you still get the same return. You just have to wait for the game to be played for the money to process. So unless you need that money right now back in your account, I mean, if that's the case, you're probably doing something incorrect with your bankroll management. You should just hedge the other side if you cannot cash out at completely equal value. Uh, the total in that game opens 45 and a half. There's now 46s and 46 and a half. So you could get in on the over on that game. Let's see. The reason to hold off on that game is the Amon Ross St. Brown situation. Like, we don't know if he, like, dinged up his calf or he now has turf toe. Uh, we don't know about Montgomery. Montgomery himself said it's going to be a a few weeks of an injury. So I think he knows his own body. Dan Campbell comes out the next day and says he's actually day-to-day. So, like, we, there's so much influx with this. That might be why the line has moved in addition to the handle towards the Falcons. Um, that's a complete stay-away market, even in the totals market. Because if any of these guys are injured, it might come down a lot. Um, so especially with Amon Ra. If Amon Ra is going to be out, target Josh Reynolds in a waiver pickup. Uh, Saints versus Packers. The Green Bay Packers are home against the 2-0 New Orleans Saints. Packers, the clear sharp side, opens at 1.5 everywhere. Now is at 2. 61% of the bets, 80% of the money. The Saints are a team that I love the roster. I love the schedule. But these first two weeks... 
even though they're two and zero, they don't look great. Uh, they're like eking out wins, like a 16, 15 against the Titans. And what they do last night, 20 to 17. I'm just showing off my memory here. Um, so I don't want to bet this game because I like the saints and the Packers are the sharp side. So I'm not going to go contrarian and play my approach. They know more than me. What I would like to see is the gambling market indicators reflect the way I feel also, and then play into that. Uh, from a totals perspective, it's actually just been at 43 the entire time. And we have some pretty even splits on both sides. So line not moving, market settled. They priced this right. No reason for us to enter this market. If you were going to play this line, I would actually tell you to play the Packers and not the Saints. Just because I love the Saints doesn't mean you should play the Saints. You should play what the smart people in the market say. And the market says the Green Bay Packers. So I won't be on that myself. But it's definitely viable. Moving from that one and a half to two, not the most important movement. So if you want to play the Packers, I'm totally fine playing the minus two. The Chargers versus Minnesota Vikings. This is going to be a fun one to talk about. There hasn't been more movement on the board this week than this game. Uh, Vikings open as a one-point home dog. 0-2 Vikings against the 0-2 Chargers. Someone's got to win this game unless it ends in a tie. Uh, so one of these teams will get on the board with a dub. The other one's going to 0-3 and it's going to be, if it's Brandon Staley, he might not be on the plane ride home of that game. So Vikings open as a one-point home underdog. And then the line starts to move at a lot of books to the Vikings as the favorite. So that's when I realized and went and grabbed, I'll actually check right now for you guys. If the Vikings are dogs, any they are. So the Vikings are still underdogs at WinBet and BetMGM and at BetRivers. They are a half-point underdog, but at WinBet and BetMGM, you could still get them at plus one. So where we have FanDuel at minus 1.5, we have Caesars at a pick'em, we have DraftKings at minus one. The whole market is shifting towards the Vikings being the smart side. We have... 53% of the bets and 76% of the money. So a plus 23% in our VIG handle towards the money side. That's a great number. Um, you, you lean towards Vikings are the clear sharp, sharp side. We know Vikings and Kirk Cousin at home in the dome. He's a much better quarterback in those situations. So I actually do appreciate taking the Vikings. And now let's have that key numbers conversation. Number one is the sixth most common outcome in NFL games. So if I'm flipping which side of the one I'm on, I'm actually obtaining a pretty important number. We even know in week one, one happened three times. Lions, Chiefs, Titans, Saints, Broncos, Raiders. I'll have to check my memory to see who did it in week two. But there were three spots in week one that landed on the one. So if this line is shifting around the one and it has the six most common outcome in NFL games, then you want to be on that side. You want to grab that plus one, have it move to the minus one and obtain that kind of closing line value because the number is important. And in NFL games, although the chance is incredibly rare, it can result in a tie. Like when we play NBA and we get into NBA season, we start breaking down NBA lines. When it moves through a one, I don't give a shit. Like in, in the NBA, one is the 11th most common outcome and in a zero can't happen. So we got Stoney saying Packers and Atlanta week two was one point. Appreciate you, Stoney. Um, yeah, one happens quite often. Sixth most common outcome in the NFL. So you're grabbing that side. And now let's bring it over to the totals. Line opens at 50. Boom, 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 boom. Universally now at 54 or 54 and a half. That's crazy. You know what that tells me? That's not even a VIG shift. That's not even happening because the handle. Whoever dropped that 50 line at first, which actually was a few books, completely mispriced. There must have been a sharper book like a Circa or a Pinnacle or a Westgate or one of those like real Vegas-based casinos who take in like huge sharp money in one of the sharpest markets. They would have to have prices at like 54, 54 and a half. And then all the other books reacted and caught up because they didn't want to be taking massive over money on that 50. If you had grabbed that over 50, I mean, that looks like the best bet of the week. Now at 54 and a half, four and a half points of closing line value without like a key injury or something like the Rodgers or Nick Chubb situation happening. You don't really see that in NFL football. Whoever put up the 50 laid a really bad line right there. So does seem like an overspot. 
54 and a half becomes unplayable from an over spot. Um, I wouldn't even recommend playing the under at that point. Just leave it alone. It becomes a nice place to then, if you're looking for a fantasy streamer, if you're looking for someone in a DFS lineup, if you're looking to target overs and player props, this would be the game to go to for that market. Uh, so Vikings plus one is a great bet. It is one of my best bets of the week. It correlates to a six most common outcome and it moving towards the over. If there's movement towards the over, I like backing the favorite. So that all makes sense and makes for Vikings to be one of my best bets. Let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks home against the Carolina Panthers. I am scared for Bryce Young. I am scared for that man. That offensive line is horrendous. Horrendous. And he's quick, but he's not fast. So like he can like shift and and like move away from the, the pocket. But then you could see these defensive tackles and these defensive ends and these pass rushers are actually catching up to him. There was a fumble from behind that one of the defensive ends got him with last night. Uh, I've been on the under win total on the Panthers. Now they're 0-2. I think this this Panthers might be a train wreck really bad. Uh, and you're playing in Seattle. That's the best home field advantage. And that's not even just the jargon of me talking about the 12th man from the Richard Sherman beast mode Marshawn Lynch days. No. In the last like decade, it literally holds the number one highest uh, advantage when comparing outcomes to the spreads and overperforming. Second most important, the Minnesota Vikings playing in their dome, whether that's because they actually have a good home field advantage or because their quarterback sucks on the road. Uh, either way, Vikings, really good home field advantage. Seahawks, really good home field advantage. Uh, there's minus 5.5s on the board right now, and there's minus sixes. It's not really a game that I want to touch. Uh, there's 42.5 in the totals market. Trying to see what else. There's a little bit of 42s. There's a strong amount of money on the under. So if you can still find a 42 and a half, let me check if one exists. Yeah, WinBet is the last place. I'm actually going to do that right now. WinBet is has a 42 and a half, so I'm going to go bet that. If you are listening to this podcast now, DraftKings 42, Caesars 42, FanDuel 42, and even some 41 starting to pop up. So now you know it's going on to that second most important total number. So you can expect a lot of these books to start catching up to that 41. So I'm going to grab that 42 and a half now for uh probably a full unit. I'm going to do that as soon as I'm done here and, and tweet that out, if that line's still available. Um, we got a question. Uh, I took the over Vikings chargers 49.5 for two units. Should I do anything with the under 54.5? What a fantastic question. Phenomenal fucking question. Um, yeah, absolutely. Throw a unit on it the other way. Absolutely. One unit on the under 54 and a half would be my recommendation. And I would recommend to do it right now, like right now, because this line is not reaching 45. Uh, so it might start to come back to 44. I mean, 54, 53 and a half. You want to get that in right now. If you can get, dude, you got the 49 and a half. Unbelievable. Great bet. Great question. Play the other side. This reminds me of last night in the uh, Steelers Browns game. I had grabbed the under 42 and a half. Then there was reports of a storm coming. Line moves down to 38. I grabbed the over 38 when I realized the weather cleared up. Game ended up closing at 39 and a half. So I had plus CLV on both sides. The process of that is absolutely perfect. So uh, Hardil, Hardil, sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Um, your process right now is spot on. Nailed it. So yes, you should now buy the under. I would do it at, at a 50% buyback. That's that would be my recommendation given the importance of 51 and 52 and 54 in your totals bets. Um, let's go to Bears at Chiefs. Oh Lord. Is Justin Fields an NFL quarterback? Is he just a fantasy quarterback or is he actually an NFL quarterback? That's an endless. That's a time, that's a time as a flat circle debate that we could always have. Um Bears open as an 11 and a half point dog. Then it goes to 12 and a half. Then it goes to 13 and a half. 
And I've even seen smart people with models. I'm not a models better. I did a podcast recently called the six types of betters in the sports market. There's public betters, the schmucks. There's trends betters. There's systems betters. There's line movement cappers. There's models cappers. And the house. The house is definitely a type of gambler in the market. There are times when we talk about reverse line movement that the house is betting on something and trying to accept your money the other way and trying to bait you into doing things. So that's why I say I study the gambling market. I'm a line movement cap where I play into some systems. And I certainly notice when the house starts to gamble and I try and join their side. Um, so models betters, line movement betters, everyone is saying that this is going to be a Chiefs smackdown. Uh, it is now all the way out to 13 and a half. I can't really play um, that large of a favorite, especially when the total is only at uh, 47. Uh, I think it's at 47 everywhere. Let me quickly check. 47 and a half now on DraftKings. Yeah, it's pretty much settled. There was originally some 48 and a halfs and there was originally some 47s. So now that we're seeing 47 and a half kind of just meeting in the right spot, um, market settled. That's not a high enough number for me to want to back a minus 13 and a half favorite or even have backed the minus. Let's say I got it. Let's say I noticed it go from 11 and a half to 12 and a half and I could have gotten in before the 13. Because we know the 13 is certainly more common than the 12 or 11. So that would be the key number relative to that line. The only way I could have actually bet that is if the total was something like 54 and a half. But no, not going to get in there. I'm also not going to go the other way and back the Bears. And also, no one, don't, don't you dare. Do not do this. Do not put this in a teaser. Whether you're not, you're going to push the Bears out to plus 20 or bring the Chiefs to minus 6.5. Oh, Chiefs need to win by a touchdown. I'm good. No, that does not hold enough value. You're not moving through enough key numbers. You're moving through a nine, like the least important number, and you're paying for it. Do not do that. Uh, I wouldn't recommend touching this game at all. What I would recommend doing with this game is playing DFS. And there's a great Mahomes Kelsey stack waiting to happen. There's a roaring Chiefs defense. And I when I talk about Justin Fields in a fantasy sense, and especially when I'm talking about targeting defenses against Justin Fields, he's so confusing for his offensive line because of his uh, ability to scramble and get out of the pocket. It reminds me a lot of a young Russell Wilson in Seattle where he starts moving out of the pocket and the offensive line blocking in front of them, they don't have them Jason Kidd eyes in the back of their head. They're looking straight ahead and they don't know which direction to block for when field starts to roll out. The defenders, on the other hand, are watching straight at them. So they're like, oh, we have to shift this way. And then they go do it. And they're, they're good enough. These are professional athletes at the highest level. They're good enough to do a quick one of these. Boom, boom. And make you the offensive line reposition themselves and get them off balance. So that's why you see like an easy five sacks every time Justin Fields takes the field. It's not even because the Bears O-line's that bad. Is because Justin Fields is really hard to block for with the way he plays. So you could always target a Chiefs defense from a fantasy perspective or you always target a defense going against the Bears, which happens to be the Chiefs this week. From a fantasy perspective, uh, I think you could even play Justin Fields in a DFS contest if he's going to be down two touchdowns throughout this game and needing to be in comeback mode throughout. Yeah, you could throw some Bears in a GPP. I, I, I lean towards Mahomes and Kelsey being uh, super positive. Mike says Fields also holds on to the ball way too long. Yeah. What did they say about young Russ, Mike? What did they say about young Russ? Um, Dallas visits Chattanooga Community College, a.k.a. the Arizona Cardinals. Line opens 12, moves to 12 and a half. You guys know I'm not touching a spread that big, especially when the over-unders at 43. So we are seeing a little bit of movement towards the over. And I actually did bet the over. 43. It is one of my best bets of the week because we saw this line open. Let me check where it opened. Uh, opened at 42 and a half, now 43s, and a lot of 43 and a halfs on the board. So I grabbed one of the last remaining 43s. Let me clearly, quickly check where that is for you guys. DraftKings 43 and a half, points bet 43 and a half, Caesars 43 and a half. FanDuel has the over 43, WinBet 43 and a half, BetMGM 43 and a half, BetRivers 43 and a half. So 
get onto FanDuel and play that over 43. Um, looks like a good spot to be on. We look at the splits for that game. 21% of the bets, but 67% of the money in our direction. That's where we want to be, fellas. That is where we want to be. Let's go to Sunday night football. We've worked our way through the entire Sunday day slate, through the whole DFS slate if you're playing in the classics. Uh, we are now at Sunday night football. The Steelers visiting the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, minus 1.5 Raiders favorite. I'm really watching for uh, a Raiders bet here. I kind of want one of these lines to start to move out to minus. Oh, DraftKings just did it. Holy shit. Hold on. We are live, guys. We are live. New best bet added. Win bet again. Las Vegas Raiders minus 1.5. Last place to still have it. See, I was preparing for this podcast, just writing down the numbers. And I said, looking for Raiders, watching for a minus 1.5 to move. I was going to say, hey, if I start to see any minus twos or minus 2.5s pop up, I'm getting action on a minus 1.5. So WinBet right now has that minus 1.5. I'm going to grab that as soon as I can. That is one of the two bets that I'll be adding at WinBet as soon as we finish up here. So I hope they're still available. Um, The, the splits are also showing a strong under spot here. I wouldn't play into the favorite against the spread and the under, of course, at a one point at one, one and a half point spread. That's not really a correlated spot and the, the line's not big enough to then have to work the other way. Um, I would rather just play the Raiders against the spread. Steelers coming off a uh, Monday night football game. So we know Raiders are not only going to be the home team, they're going to have rest advantage prep advantage, travel advantage, sharp side line movement in their direction. Back the Raiders. Take the minus 1.5 if you can. I'm even okay with taking the minus 2.5. So DraftKings has the minus 2.5 juice to minus 115. If you only have like Caesars, PointsBet, FanDuel, if you don't have all the sports books like I do and include WinBet, then play, play 2.5 for half a unit. That's fine. Um, Monday night football, Eagles at the Buccaneers. Two weeks ago, I called the Buccaneers a sinking ship. Boy, was I wrong. They floating right now. Baker Mayfield looks good. Uh, opened as a six and a half point favorite. It's now down to five. So there's clearly some sharp money on the on the uh, Bucks. I played this in a teaser. I took the 6.5. I thought it was going to be pushed out the other way. It's and I moved it to a 0.5. I thought it would eventually qualify as a Wong teaser leg. So I was like, I might as well just grab the good number now. I was seeing 70% uh, of the money on this side. So there's some reverse line movement happening here for sure. Definitely scary for me as an Eagles backer. But because I teased it and I got on to the uh, essentially money line with a minus 0.5, I'm not overly worried about it moving from 6 to 5. The Eagles are still a nice five-point favorite. They're still going against Baker Mayfield. They're still daunting, daunting offense, run game, everything. So uh, I'm okay with the Eagles in this spot. What I wasn't okay with was the second part of that teaser leg, which was originally the Cincinnati Bengals in conjunction with that Eagles. This was a Monday night teaser of the week. Uh, not I mean, they both happened to be on Mondays, but I wasn't looking for a Monday night teaser of the week. But the Bengals opened as a six point, six and a half point favorite. The Eagles opened as a six and a half point favorite. You try to bet favorites early in the week. This is a classic Billy Walters moment. He's the goat of sports gambling. You want to bet favorites generally, generally. Like again, my favorite bet this week is Titans plus four point five that I jumped on right away. So it's not like a universal rule that you could only back favorites early. But it's generally what you want to do. So when I saw this and I was like, oh. There's two two legs here that really might just fit Stanford Wong teaser legs. I might as well just grab them and grab them now. So I pushed Bengals to minus 0 0.5. I pushed Eagles down to minus 0 0.5. I teased them both down. And then I saw the news that Joe Burrow might be hurt. And the way this line has moved since then, 
it clearly shows that Burrow's likely on the not going to play and on the outs for this game. Uh, as soon as I heard that, the line was still six and a half. I grabbed the Rams money line plus 230 for half a unit. So I put 1.2 unit, like I talked about earlier. These teasers have minus 120 odds. So it's 1.2 units to win one. So when I saw, oh, wow, Burrow might be out and Stafford's been playing fucking amazing this season. Uh, I don't want to be on that bangle side of a teaser because the line's going to move heavily against me. It's not going to go up into a Wong teaser leg category like I originally thought. So I was in a sticky situation. So even though I'm going to post on my Twitter and everything that I have the Eagles money line, it's really Eagles and Bengals in a teaser. And then Rams money line to buy off the Bengals portion of that. So it's really just Eagles minus 0.5, which I got it. If you calculate and remove the odds and work off the ticket, it's minus 240, which was totally fine. Uh, you, you can see the money line is just, ar just around that. Let me, let me look it up real quick. Opened at 325. The best place you can find it now is 215. But Caesars 235, Winbet 230, so Bet Rivers 240. So for me to have it at what's equating to 240, it's not it's not I, it's not the best. It's not the best bet I made of the week, but it's not that bad. Um, we have worked our way through every single game on the week three slate. The best bets that I have given out so far: Eagles money line. Don't actually love it, but I'm on it, so it's best bet. Titans plus 4.5. Love that bet. Um, who were the other ones that we gave out? We were on the Colts in it. I mean, the Ravens in a teaser. Hmm. The under 44 and a half for the Jags Texans game. The Vikings minus, I mean, plus one. If you can get them on the plus one before it moves to the minus one. If you can only get them at the pick them, that's at like Caesars and some of the other sports books. Is that the best you can get? Then I'm okay putting a smaller bit on that. Um, yeah, I will make sure I repost everything. I just have the numbers here. I don't actually have my bets written down, so I'm just trying to do that off memory. But yeah, that seems to be the entire slate breakdown for this week. I'm happy I did it live because you guys can see how fast my mind works in just considering these thoughts. Oh, this is where the handle is. This is where the splits are. I'm seeing this movement. That means X. So I'm putting these pieces together, and I promise you, if you guys stick around and join me on these shows, then you will start to pick up on these tricks too. I promise, promise, promise you. Uh, Stoney asks, would you consider Titans plus three if you miss the plus 4.5? No. Nope. The only way that you would do it, Stoney, is do you, have you started to see any 2.5s pop up? So do you know that you're going to obtain closing line value on the three because there's 2.5s in the market? But right now, I'm only seeing threes everywhere. So no. Uh, if you start to see 2.5s, and that's what you should monitor, then yes. Uh, it is at three at every book. I'm going to stay in this for about five more minutes, answer any questions. I'm going to scroll through this, see if I missed anything. Um, I won't be able to stick around for the entire live stream. He's probably not still here. Will this be posted after your live stream is over, yes, every podcast that we do is now going to be done as a live stream, and then it is going to be posted onto my new podcast feed. I will tweet all that stuff out, or you could just rewatch this video on YouTube if you want to see my beautiful, handsome face. Um, for this 42 and a half versus 45, the San Francisco versus Giants game, the first thing that I talked about, would you have done a higher unit size? I would have done one unit on both sides. I guess you could go more if you want to go potentially risking half a unit to win five units, whatever. You could do five units on both sides. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it would hold positive expected value with a max loss of half a unit. So I would be fine with doing it. But it's like generally when I'm going with these like 20x bets with these 5% implied probabilities where if you win, you're getting 20 to 1 payout. I'm, I'm going very little uh, size. But that's how you really build a bankroll is hitting middles, obtaining closing line value, buying back 50% on the other side, like we recommended for that Vikings-Chargers game. And then if you hit that, you are still tilted exposure towards the direction that you want. So for this example, 
Hardell uh, grabbed the over 49 and a half, and now he's got the 54 and a half working the other way, only for one unit back the other direction when it was two units towards the over. So you're still tilted towards the sharp side and the smart side, but then working back on it the other direction. If you hit that middle, that's how you really start to build a bankroll in the NFL. You need to beat the lines and then start playing them back. How often do you check for line movement? I understand the CLV portion, but was wondering how often you would check for movement on a spread. Every time I come to my computer. Every time. All the time. I have an extra monitor up. I just keep the I just keep the live odds up. And I often talk about this saying it's like I say lighting up like a Christmas tree when I see the board light up like a Christmas tree because when the odds start to move, it's red lights and green lights start to flash. So you get like the Christmas lights going and uh, your my eyes go, where's the red? So if you're watching one of these live boards and you see something go red, that would mean the line went from 42 and a half to 43, right? So in that case, the under is going to go green because they're like, oh, it's better for the under. No, that's the sports book messing with you. They're fucking with you. They're trying to get you into just innate colors and patterns and thoughts that green means go and you're attracted to green. Red is stop. I'll stay away. They want you to stay away from the side that they think is going to win. <laughs> so you want to always look for the look for the red. Uh, last year, I listened to your podcast and you liked a few websites for betting splits. Is VSIN your preferred? Uh, yes. Actually, VSIN is my preferred right now because they've made all of their betting splits a paid platform. So I previously was against it in the last podcast because I didn't trust a free service unless it was directly provided by the sports book. That was just my own doing this for so long and noticing some discrepancies that I was like, I don't know what I could really trust because some of this is just wildly incorrect and different from the other books. And the sports books handles aren't that drastically different from one another because then they would move the lines to adjust so that the other book takes in that position and it evens out the handle. So uh, whenever you see two books with staggeringly different handles, it's one of them is probably incorrect. And I trusted the FanDuel one because it was right on their website. You said, unfortunately, in Canada, FanDuel doesn't provide this for free. Uh, they don't do it in the U.S. anymore either. I'm fucking pissed about it. Like I, I, I relied on that all the time. What's the? It would be a little drop down under stats, and I actually know, even though you're in Canada, I know people in Canada that they used to be able to look at it. So it's not just a Canadian thing, a, eh? a. Eh? It's a, it's a Fanduel thing. I'll send them a strongly worded email to let them know that it's a. Uh, unacceptable and we need the betting splits. What site do I use for my Christmas lights? There's a bunch of them. Uh, Oddshark, uh, Oddspedia, Don Best, VEASAN. There's a bunch of them you can use. Don Best is the one that I was really referring to uh, where you could see everything in real time up to the split second. It's very expensive for a membership. So unless you're betting to $300 a unit as your average bet size, then I don't recommend spending for Don Best. If you're betting $25 a unit size, then I think VSIN is more appropriate. Um, they're both reliable, but then you're, the question you're asking yourself is, does the amount that I'm winning actually start to pay for it, right? You don't want to tack on these things and have all of your winnings end up just paying for your betting subscription because that would defeat the purpose. Um, so you want to make sure that your unit size correlates to how much you're spending on gambling services. Of course, just fiddle picks, always free. Oh, you guys know, remember that show PTI? Oh no, Around the Horn with that guy, Woody Page. So I did this thing where I created a quote board. And I'll have a new quote in there every time. I need to get a camera and put it on my act on top of my actual computer so that it just it, it, it looks at me properly. I'm not looking like at the different screen. I'm sure my eyes have been all over the place during this episode. But a shout out to my guy Woody Page from Around the Horn, who always had that board behind him with like a funny quote. Uh, so this is inspired by Woody Harrelson's brother, Woody Page. And if you knew Around the Horn, you would know he would write some stupid shit like that. But I will have some really insightful gambling quotes in the future. Today was not one of them. I, I tended to go funny and I didn't it didn't even make the pod. 
Does that wrap us up? I will post this show as a podcast episode. I do not have a new podcast feed yet. However, it is submitted for approval. Normally, when I do these shows, I then start talking about the DFS board and start breaking down some of the high spend options on DFS slate. I'm not going to do that today because... Um, thanks, Mike. I appreciate I, I appreciate you recognizing the Woody Page joke. Um, I'm not going to do the DFS stuff today because I did that on my other podcast and it's being submit for approval. So I knew that these DFS numbers and prices were not going to change between Sunday's game and kickoff because that's not how DFS operates. So I knew I was able to talk about it earlier in the week, submit it for approval. And when it gets put up on the podcast, it will still be very relevant content for you guys all to listen to. So I'm going to let that wrap up today's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please come back. I will keep tweeting out the uh, show links. My plan is to do a slate breakdown like this every Tuesday. I plan to do a lot of uh, DFS stuff on Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. Throughout everything, I will be checking in with these gambling markets. That's how I rely on all the information. You got to know which place is trending up to know which place is going to go target for a DFS streamer, right? Like we're going towards Jordan Addison because of this Vikings game this week instead of like a random other receiver because it's going to be 54 points. We want to target that. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, one thing that would help me out, again, please like, video, subscribe, wherever it is. One thing that would help me out is just letting me know like, hey, it's actually better to do it at these times or it's, I'd rather the live stream come on at seven. I'm flexible. So I was just kind of guessing what would work best for everyone else. And I settled with a 5 p.m. my time, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm in California. So let me know if I should do the show at a different time and more people will be able to tune in. So I think that's that. I will make sure I post my best bets, sign up for my gambling newsletter, the Fiddle Pick Substack. And as always, peace out. Thank you.